0: Let's pray and ask for God to help us before we consider this. Thanks, Father God, for the good news of Christmas. It is a happy day, much more than for presents, presents, food, family or other things. It's because Jesus, the Lord and Saviour, was born. We remember him, we celebrate him. And as we think about shepherds who went to see him, please help us to listen well, to be able to pay attention. And God, we pray it help us to know that this is truth that comes to us from you. So work through my words and in all of our hearts and minds by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Fear, the word fear is not something that, a word that normally comes to mind at Christmas. But in this true story from one of the biographies, the Gospels of Jesus, we see fear. The beginning of the story, the shepherds were fearful and then they heard about, they went to Jesus and then after that they went out to share the joyful news of peace with God. And by looking at their example, we can learn how we should be responding to the Christ who came that first Christmas. And we can experience joy and peace ourselves. And I think peace is attractive to those of us who are fearful. I think 2020 has brought our fears to the front of our minds with coronavirus and the restrictions, we've feared losing jobs and financial, financial security, and many have experienced real hardship. We've feared sickness and the future. We've feared maybe being stuck at home, stuck alone, or being stuck in difficult relationships with your parents, with your kids. Or feared going without love, going without your friends. Maybe we've even feared losing our lives or losing our loved ones. And many people have lost their lives. And maybe the rising cases in New South Wales, even this week, has made those fears uh, rise to the surface again. I wonder what it is you've feared this year. In the face of our fears, the message of Christmas is fear not. The shepherds are watching their sheep at night when suddenly an angel appears. And the first thing he says is do not be afraid. Fear not. Why not be afraid? I mean, a shining angel has appeared before them and they're terrified. I think I would have been terrified. But something more than bright lights or a supernatural angel is going on here. You see, in the Bible, people always experienced traumatic anxiety and fear when they got near to God or when angels came to them from the presence of God. At the start of the Bible, we learn that humanity was designed for perfect relationship with God. And it makes sense that if you have a perfect relationship with the all-powerful, all-loving Lord of the world, then you'd have no fear at all. You wouldn't have to be afraid of him or anything. And that was the original plan for humanity. We often fear rejection or failure, don't we? But if you are totally sure of and filled with God's love, We wouldn't have to worry about what other people thought. You see, fear comes from thinking that somewhere God's love will end. But God's love for his people will never end. It's unbeatable, unstoppable, unwrappable. We fear the future and circumstances, but if we knew God perfectly, that he is good and in control, we would trust him Since God gave his only son, he really will give us his people what we need. And you wouldn't even be afraid of death because you'd know that death would bring you into the presence of God, the joyful presence of God forever. But when people chose to reject God's rule over their lives, it broke relationship with God and they were filled with fear. For the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, the presence of God became something to hide from. And and the lie of the serpent went into their hearts and our hearts. Satan said, you don't need to be, you need, you yourselves, you need to be in charge of your life. Don't let anyone else be in charge, including God. He's in charge. You won't be happy. You'll miss out on what's best for you. And that, that distortion, that lie, has been passed down into every human heart and it created a fear of trusting God. These shepherds, in Luke chapter 2, no fear. As I said, it's not just of the supernatural. Look at verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. It's the glory and holiness of God that makes them fearful. In the words of preacher and author Tim Keller, people are truly threatened by the presence of the holy. When God's glory appears, it always accentuates and intensifies our fundamental fearfulness because we are alienated from God. And the angel has an astonishing message You won't have to be afraid anymore if you look at what I'm showing you. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And the good news about Christ, Jesus Christ, the angel says, is it's good news of great joy for all people. God can replace our fear with joy. And joy is the gigantic secret gift that God gives us that we never stop unwrapping. The fear that inhabits the deep place in our souls can be dispelled for good if we find peace with God through Jesus Christ. Making peace is our next point. In verse 14 we read, A great company of angels appear. If you watched our carols last Saturday night, There was a bucket load of angels, thousands of them with their high beams on, thousands of semis with their high beams on. And do you remember what they were saying? Look there, in verse 14, they praise God saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When you hear the word peace, what comes to mind? What do you think of Maybe having peace and calm in your heart and mind. Maybe you think of a trouble-free life. Maybe you think of an end of conflict, fighting, war. But first century Jews living under the foot of the Romans, they they knew that the absence of war doesn't guarantee peace. You see, the Jewish peace... The Jewish word for peace, shalom, it means much more than a truce in the battles of life. It means well-being, prosperity, security, harmony. It means fullness, completeness. And it can speak of peace in relationships. And the Bible says that the most fundamental and important peace that we need and that can be found is peace with God. The problem is our hearts want to be king. And so our hearts, we are hostile to God's lordship over us. And the Bible talks about this as sin. Sin is rejecting God and his rule over our lives. And we see it in the two-year-old tantrum, in the teenager's rebellion, and the adult's greedy materialism. They, they, all these things show our hostility to God. We want to be in charge of our own lives. And we do that as much as it is within our power. The non-religious person may openly assert their independence from God and say, I want to live the way I want. I'll do whatever makes me happy. I don't know if that's you. The religious person, more, more covertly, subtly asserts their independence. The religious person says, I'll obey the Bible. I'll go to church once in a while, maybe at Christmas. The religious child or adult says, I go to church every week. I'm nice to others, and so God will bless me and be good to me. And this really is an effort to control God, not trust God. When you obey God to earn his blessing and heaven, effectively you're seeking to be your own saviour. And so both these strategies are hostile to God. They don't allow God, Christ, to be your Lord and saviour. The wonderful message of Christmas is, however, that God and sinners are reconciled. We're going to sing it later. In Hark the Herald, angels sing, God and sinners reconciled. And Jesus is the perfect mediator, the only mediator reconciling God and sinners, God and people. Esther was an orphaned Jewish girl living in Persia in 480 BC. Somehow she was chosen to be queen to King Xerxes. Esther's people were threatened when the king was tricked into making a law which would kill all of God's people and Esther was encouraged to give her life to to sorry to use her life to give others life in other words she was going to risk her life and approach the king because the issue is without his asking her to come to him he could decide to have her killed and Esther decided yes to be the bridge between God's children and the king. She decided, I will go, and if I die, I die. She risked her life to be the bridge who would save God's people. But then there's Jesus, the Son of God, the Son King. And Jesus didn't only risk his life, he chose to give up his life to save God's people. Like Esther, Jesus made a bridge back to God, the king. And he said, so I will die. I will die. And he saved us. See, Christmas is such good news because in the birth of Jesus, the son of God took on human flesh Jesus, the God-man, bridged the gap, the gulf between us and God. He died on the cross to pay the price for us rejecting God. He used his life to give others life. He died for our sins to make peace with God. How can we have this peace with God ourselves? Tim Keller says in his book, Hidden Christmas, the first step toward peace with God is to recognize that there is conflict. And one way to do that is maybe you could say to God in prayer something like this. God, not only have I done bad things, but even the good things I've done, they fall short and I did them for the wrong reasons and to get to God my way. I need a saviour who will save me by sheer grace, undeserved kindness. I need to completely rest on Jesus' work on my behalf. I choose to rely completely on Jesus Christ. And when we, when we say that or something like that, we finally admit our sin and our hostility. If you say something like that, it means that you've actually confessed that you can't save yourself. When you say it, mean it, it means that you're not trusting in yourself anymore, but relying on what Christ has done, and you're turning away from your old way of thinking and living. Turning back to God, trusting in Jesus, is how you make peace with God. And so I encourage you this morning, whether you're here in this room or watching on your screen, to take your hands off the steering wheel of your life and make peace with God through trusting in Jesus. The momentous news of Christmas is that peace with God is on offer. My final point this morning is hearing well. The shepherds hear well. Look down at verse 15. The shepherds hear this marvellous message about the birth of Jesus, the Saviour and the Lord. And once the angels disappear, they hurry off to see for themselves. And in verse 17, the shepherds spread the word. So they conveyed to others what the angels had told them. I'm sure they added their own eyewitness testimony too. We've seen the baby king, the Lord and Savior. And the result was we're told that people are amazed. The shepherds then return, praising God for all they'd seen and heard. And in these verses, Luke is telling us about the importance of hearing well. In another part of the Bible, in Romans chapter 10, it says faith comes by hearing the message And the message is heard through the word about Christ. One of the issues in my marriage is my failure to really listen to my wife. Often I'll ask Kirsty a question like, what are the kids doing today? And she might respond, I already told you. Uh, Weren't you listening? So often the answer is yes, but no. Yes, I remember her saying something about it. I heard it, but but no, I didn't really let it sink in. I didn't give you my full attention or listen well. Kids, I wonder if you've seen this movie, Finding Nemo. In that, Nemo's dad, Marlon, searching for his son, he comes across Dory, that the bluefish, and Dory suffers from short-term memory loss. Marlon says to her, they took him away, I have to find the boat. Dory replies, a boat? Hey, I've seen a boat. You have? Yes, it passed by not too long ago. And Marlon says, where, which way? And Dory responds, hi, I'm Dory. And that's, and then eventually when they're on their way to find the boat, Dory again forgets what she's doing and she wonders why Marlon is following her. Kids, do you ever forget... Or or do you ever forget to listen properly? If you're like me, we can forget to listen well to what God says in the Bible too. When it comes to the message of Christmas, we all need to listen well. Not really hearing people can damage our relationships. It's destructive to our relationship with God. Mary the mother of Jesus gives us a great example here look at verse 19 two words describe how she listens to the word of God from the from through the angel and the shepherds she pondered what the shepherds had told her when you ponder something it means you think it through you you throw it around in your mind she thought deeply about it but she also treasured what she heard to treasure something means to savor it to keep it alive in your mind to keep remembering something as precious treasuring it, it engages your heart and your emotions and so mary takes the message in about jesus from the shepherds to relish it she relishes what they said The shepherds were told that the baby Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. That means he's the king and the saviour. He's the one who can bring us back to God. He's the one who can bring peace with God. And for us to treasure that message, it means that you and I have to keep remembering it, keep speaking that truth to ourselves, to myself, remembering its preciousness. And so maybe treasuring the message about Jesus means that we ask, how would my life be different if I really believed this? To truly hear the word of God about Jesus, we need to ponder it and treasure it, whether you are nine years old, 29 or 79. If you don't ponder and treasure this message, you won't hear it properly It won't sink in or comfort you or change you. And if you have believed this message, if it has sunk into your heart and soul and comforted you, Christian, and changed you, then as the shepherds respond, what else can we do but rejoice? Rejoice. But then let's also remember to spread the word like the shepherds did They heard it and then they told others about it and maybe there's someone you could share it with today, tomorrow too. And why would you do that? Because it's a message of great joy for all people. Don't forget the joy. The God who sent his son to save us wants us all to hear well and believe his word we place our trust in Jesus by trusting in God's word about Jesus let me close with this a few years ago I was with a woman called Mary in her late 70s she didn't have long to live but she came to trust in Jesus the true words about Jesus for the first time And her fears about the future, even about dying, melted away. She found true peace. And I could see it in her face. You don't have to be 70 to find this peace or to make peace with God. God offers it to us all, to you, this Christmas Day. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you that you didn't leave us with a broken relationship with you, but you came to us in your son, Jesus. Thank you that he was born to be our Lord and Savior. Thank you that he died on the cross, rose again so we could have peace now and forever with the living God. God, we pray that you'd help us to treasure this message, to remember it. To hear and listen well. And Lord, we pray that this good news would change us and our relationship with you now and forever as we trust in the Messiah and King Jesus. Amen.